Hallelujah. Wonderful name. Holy name. The name of Jesus. Worthy of all praise. Worthy of all glory. Worthy of all honor. Majesty is thine, O God. O King of glory. How great thou art. Wonderful Heavenly Father. Mighty God. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Lord, we come into your presence in awe and adoration, humility and reverence. Recognizing, Lord, we stand before the great I Am. The one who always existed. And we stand, Lord, this morning with a desire to be drawn closer to you. Lord, come and move through our midst this morning. Take away all of the uh, uh, the uncleanness of the world that we have rubbed shoulders with this week, O oh God. Whether it be at the workplace, at the place of education, at the, at the supermarket, wherever we go, Lord, the devil tries to bombard these bodies. But Lord, we're here to be washed in the water of the Word this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you just take the preeminence. Father, may you just direct your Word the way that you want it to go. Because the Word is not a teaching. The Word is you, O God. You are the Word that discerns the thoughts of every heart. Lord, you know every need. You know every situation. And we invite you, Lord, just to take the service the direction that you want it to go. We yield ourselves to you, speaker and hearer, those present, those on the internet, wherever it might be. Lord, may you be glorified and come in power and demonstration in the ministry of your word, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm sorry, I said good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I I thought you didn't hear me the first time. So... Praise the Lord. It's a great place to be. I almost feel like singing it was a great thing that he did for me, but thank you. That's all the singing will do. We could just rejoice in the Lord this morning. I trust you're happy in the Lord. You might not be happy in your circumstances, but you can be happy in the Lord. Amen. And so we want to take our Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 6. As was already mentioned, we want to bring you up to date on some missions things uh, today. Uh, great burden in the mission field and uh, we call it the mission field but really it's end time evangelism it's God searching out his bride and getting her ready for the rapture it's not just getting them saved but it's getting them clothed in the garment of the word and how can they be clothed in the wedding garment lest they have the wedding garment And so we want to maybe touch on that. But I want to just lay a bit of a foundation this morning first. I want to just speak on the grace of God, which is a foundational thought to the gospel, is the foundational thought. For by grace are you saved, and that by faith, not of works. We know that. And and so if I would title it this morning, Grace Tied to the Promise, because that's the statement that Brother Branham uses, and uh, we want to just look at that a little bit this morning before we uh, our thoughts we put our thoughts out into maybe uh, spheres of this earth that are beyond the four walls here. Genesis chapter six, and we'll begin at verse one. 
And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he is also, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness, that the wickedness of man was great in them, and that every thought, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I want you to notice that statement. I'm not going to preach on it, although I was almost tempted to this morning. The imagination of the thoughts of his heart. We know imagination relates to the mind realm. The mind realm relates to the character. And so he's saying the character of men was continually evil. They were characterless people. The sons of God looking on the daughters of men. We see that in the day we're living in. Brother Branham calls this a characterless age. We know the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. And that's one of the characteristics. And that uh, Brother Branham makes a statement. He says, do you want your character to be molded in the fiery furnace of affliction? Or do you want the character of this characterless age? We see it, you know, represented, I don't, sorry not to preach on it, but just, we see it represented in the leaders that are elected in this hour. Alright? And they, they have no character. But why do they have no character? It's because that's the kind of leader the people want. It's a reflection of themselves. They don't want someone to tell them what's right or wrong. They want a characterless leader to lead in a characterless age. Anyway, I'd, like I said, I don't want to preach on that this morning. But we're here. That's my point. We're here. And he says, And it repented, verse 6, It repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord had His blessing to the word. You may be seated. It does not say, but Noah was an upright man. Does not say, but Noah was a perfect man. Does not say, but Noah went to the greatest church. It does not say, but Noah had it all figured out. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace by its nature is unmerited. It's not of works. It's not something that Noah did that, that caused grace to come upon him because then grace would not be grace. Grace would be a reward required for labor or works. 
But grace being grace, it must be unmerited. And if you want to really ground yourself in the grace of God, pick up two messages that Brother Branham preached in 1961. One of them is the message of grace, which he preached in Jeffersonville. But the one before that, he actually preached in another place. He was in Middletown, Ohio, where he preaches a great series of messages there in a, in services. And it's called Abraham's Grace Covenant. You can listen to or read that entire series, and that will really ground you in the grace of God. And so I want to take some of the thoughts from these services and maybe a few others, and maybe not be so uh, preaching at you, but just kind of lay in the principles of grace. So that we can know where we stand in the grace of God. Because if you don't know where you stand in the grace of God, you're really without a foundation. You're living from experience to experience. You know, it's, it's, uh, I heard one fellow say, you know, uh, it's like, uh, what was the term he used? He says it's like spiritual junkies. He says they come to church to get a, to get a, a, a fix. You know, they come to church to get injected with some experience. But we've got to live in the grace of God from day to day. Not go from service to service. And, uh, and, uh, uh, in the message of grace, Brother Branham says it this way. And excuse me if I refer or read to, but they're actually even too lengthy to put up on the screen for you. So I just try and read it with a little bit of inspiration for you. Brother Branham says, the grace of God reached over in Noah's time. Just an ordinary man. Put your name there. Just an ordinary man. We could say about, about ourselves, grace came by our way. And I hope that we, by the end of the service today, we can leave here with that kind of a confession. It was the grace of God that came by my way. He says, he was an ordinary man, he and his family. But because Noah feared God, he believed God. And then Brother Bram says, you can't fear God without believing. How can you fear something you don't believe? And that's what God honors, is your faith in Him. That's right. That Then when the fear of God come upon Noah, God called him by grace and saved him and his house because it was grace that did it. Not because Noah was a great, big, handsome man. Alright, so there, that rules out all you great, big, handsome men trying to get in by your handsomeness. Amen. Alright, he says, not because he was a great, big, handsome man, uh, or a handsomer man than the rest of them. Not because Noah went to the best church there was in the country. Alright, so that rules out us saying that Cloverdale's the best church. And I'm going to make it because Cloverdale's the best church. That's got nothing to do with it. Amen. And he says, it's not because he belonged to the best in organization. Not because he could dress better. Not because he had more money. Amen. Amen. So it's not, you can't go and say, well, God's blessing me. Therefore, I know I found favor in the sight of God. You know, it's interesting talking about the mission field. I was talking to Brother Stephen of Bally this week and how doors open up because of the revival over there. And there was a minister that had um, that had embraced the message and his church had come into the message. Uh, but his daughter passed away. And so uh, he asked Brother Stephen Ibali to come and take the funeral. And he uh, so he went to take the man's funeral. And, and in the funeral, of course, were many uh, formerly denominational associates of this man. 
And uh, Brother Stephen was telling me, he says, I took up the story of Job, of course, which is the story of the resurrection. He says, but he says, I started in the, in the beginning, he says, where Job asked God, you know, or where the devil rather asked God about Job. Does not Job serve you for a reason because you bless him? He says, so he says, you give him, he's, he's blessed, he's respected, he's got all this wealth, everything. And, and that's the reason that he serves you. And then brother Stephen says, I looked at those pre Pentecostal preachers. He says, you see, the devil was the first prosperity preacher. <laughs> I said, oh my, <laughs> you are a brave man. <laughs> And then he went on to preach on the resurrection. So sometimes doors open in these, in this, these places where God is moving. Sometimes God opens a door in your life and he wants you to say something. And, and so they had a, they had a blessed time at the funeral, if we can say it that way. So Brother Branham says it's not because he had more money. It's not because he was some special person, but because of the grace of God. God saved Noah. Grace saved Noah. Not his works, but his grace. And also saved his family. Was it Noah's works? Well, Noah had to build the ark. But it wasn't the ark that saved him. It was grace that saved him. See, many times as a believer, we, we can, God's grace come by, come by our way. We, he opens our eyes. We're illuminated. We're walking in the light. And, and as life goes on, we begin to uh, develop a structure of the gospel around us like Noah developed the structure of the ark. And we can get looking at the structure and saying, well, you know, we need this because that'll help us in the destruction. We need that. And, you know, we got to build it this way. And this has to be in order. And that has to be in order. It has to be exactly by the blueprint till we get so involved in the structure, we can almost overlook that it was God's grace that came by our way. So we always have to be mindful of that regardless of the teaching, regardless of how much doctrine we know, regardless of how much we can quote the scripture, how much we can quote the, quote the message, how much we can say, you know, that, that, that we understand regardless of the structure, it was the grace that came by Noah's way. It's God's grace that came by our way. Oh, we can all remember back, Brother Nathan was caught up in it this morning, how we love him for coming by our way, how we love him for saving us, how we love him for all that he's done. In the in Abraham's grace covenant, Brother Branham says, you think that you've become a minister or a Christian because people talk good about you or you join church or you stay in a society. This is the biggest church in the city. You're just fooling yourself, that's all. He says, you're a miserable person when it comes to Christianity. He says, God chooses by election. So then he chose you. That's why you're here today. He chose you. He wanted to, to mold you with his word. He wanted you to come, but it was his grace. And, and the reason that I'm starting here, uh, you know, Brother Branham, he often will use 
You know, if you, if you've studied the message enough, he'll, he'll use a certain pattern in the way that he ministers something. And often he'll, you know, he'll introduce his subject and then he'll go to a lot of examples out of the scripture because you gotta see the pattern in the scripture. You gotta recognize how it lays in the scripture. So he used different examples, different types, different things to, and then bring it right up into the age that we're living in and then ask God to come and confirm his word. And so we, that's the way we want to see God move and the way we want to even talk about the word of God. It's not just, uh, examples. It's not just the subject. It's also bringing it up into today. It's not just talking about the grace in Noah's day, but also recognizing that it was the grace that God brought God's provided way by our way. Brother Branham takes up in the message of grace, Deuteronomy chapter 7, and I'm going to read it for you here. It's verse 7 and 8. And God speaking to Israel, he says, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath that he had sworn unto the fathers. Alright, so I want you to notice that. Love is tied to grace. Love and grace are sisters. And so now he says it's because God loved you and because he would keep his oath or he would keep his promise that he swore unto the fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh the king. Why did God redeem you? Because of his love for you and because of the promise that he made. Alright, I'll come to that promise in a little bit or deal with that promise in a little bit. But Brother Branham picks it up about Israel. And he says, God give Israel his promise. And he told them, if you'll not associate with idolatry, if you'll not do these things, if you'll stay away from all these pagan ceremonies, if you'll do all these things, then I'll bring you into a good land. I'll take care of you. I'll feed you. I'll lead you. I'll do these things if you'll do such and such. If you'll love me, if you'll keep my commandments, my statutes, my ordinances, I'll do all these things. If you'll just do something, keep my commandments and love me. All right. So now he's talking about the law. But he starts here in Deuteronomy. He says, then he, then he turns it. He says, just like a husband taking a wife. Saying, if you'll be a good woman. If you'll take care of the house. If you'll be true to me. If you'll keep my clothes clean. If we have children. If you'll be a mother to them. If you'll do things. I'll work till my hands bleed to make you a living if you'll do it. But then think, what if that woman turns wrong, lives lazy, won't work, won't do nothing? Then it takes grace to keep that family together. So then it's not the covenant of marriage alone that keeps it together. It also takes grace. So now Brother Branham's dealing with the grace that is in marriage because really in marriage is only a natural type of the invisible union of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. And so we see then in marriage a reflection that 
you know, when we get married, when we make a covenant, we have certain expectations. And all the married couples said, amen. amen. All right. <laughs> it didn't seem like all of them. But as, as life goes on, disappointments arise. It's okay. You don't have to say amen to that. I don't want, you might be sitting next to your spouse. Do not shout amen. All right. Now, because of those disappointments, then the covenant alone will not hold the marriage together. Now it takes the covenant plus grace. To hold that marriage. That you've got grace for someone. Recognizing that maybe they're not measuring up to all that you thought they would be. Whether it be a husband towards a wife or a wife towards a husband. It's getting real quiet in here. I'm going to get off of this real soon. Alright. But we find this relationship aspect. Now catch that now. It's a relationship. God's wanting relationship. He's not just wanting obedience. He's wanting relationship. He's wanting fellowship. And in order to have fellowship, and in order for that fellowship to be long-lasting, it's not just a covenant, or I'll say it this way, it's not just a promise, it's also grace that goes with the promise. Are you with me so far? Alright, I better move off of that subject. He says, oh God had taken the grace of Jehovah to keep his family together. And that's the only way we're Jehovah's family today is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And we'd all be gone, but it's grace. Oh, grace. It says His grace did it. His grace because of His promise. His promise, then the grace that went with His promise. Alright, so there's the thought that, that we want to hold as our, our central theme. So I want you to notice now, now, Brother Branham, in this very quote, and I didn't have it all highlighted here because I didn't want to read everything. He says, well, let me just say, let me just read a little bit further. Is that all right? All right. I just, just trying not to be overusing the time, but this is foundational stuff. This is foundational word for us. He says his grace did it. His grace because of his promise. His promise. Then the grace that went with his promise. He says. But they never did come to the full value of the promised land. Okay. So catch that. He says neither does his church come to its full value. The grace of God holds us. But he wants to get a church that will obey him. A people that'll take his word and say it's the truth, regardless of organization. He wants a people that'll not say, well, I'm as good as you are. I'm Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic. I'm as good as you are. He says, that's not grace. That shows there's something wrong. So I want you to notice here, and I want you to divide it because Brother Branham's dividing it here in your mind. I want you to see that grace is different than potentials. Okay? So potentials, you have the potential to come into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Alright? That's the potentials in every born again son and daughter of God. Uh, but it's grace that keeps us along the way. I'll come to that more. But yet, in the midst of that, 
obedience will take us to the potentials. Alright? So it's, so that's how grace is not turned into lasciviousness. We, and I'll come to that scripture as well. I'm not talking about coming, we're coming to it all the time here. But that lasciviousness is when the grace of God is just relied on by itself as though I can do anything. I, whether it be I'm Methodist, Baptist, I believe in God. I believe in God just as much as you. Well, no, that's not all of it. But grace must be accompanied by obedience to bring us to our potentials. Okay? A foundational thought there. Again, not really preaching. But uh, let me just turn that around for you, just so you grasp what I'm saying. So I say, grace will lead us to our potentials. But let me also say, if we just preach on potentials and lose the foundation of grace, that is to say, if we just preach obedience and we lose the preaching of grace, then we become legalistic and we'll also never reach our potentials. And so there must actually be a balance between grace and obedience. All right. Amen. So now. It was the promise that God made to Noah that grace accompanied. What was the promise? And you can read it later in Genesis 6 and 18. God says, with thee I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Amen. So there's the promise. But the promise must have grace to accompany it. I want you to catch this as we go along here. Are you still with me? All right. So in, we go, if we go back to the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, and God put Adam in the garden, and he put him there under a two-sided covenant. As long as you don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll live. But if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the day you eat thereof, that day you will die. Is that right? Alright, so it was based upon the works of Adam there in the Garden of Eden. But then when Adam and Eve fell and were cast out of the garden or were found in a condition of sin rather, let's start there, God came down with what? Grace. And provided a bloody sacrifice to cover their sins because God had a purpose in their life and He had a purpose in humanity and He had a purpose in what He was going to accomplish in His redemptive purpose. Okay? So God dealt with Adam by grace after he had fallen from a perfect covenant. God dealt with Noah by grace. We can say God dealt with Abraham by grace, which is the foundational thought of a grace covenant. And and now don't get scared by these words, but I'm just going to quote Brother Branham because he says it so simply. He says, notice Abraham called by election and God giving him the covenant of grace unconditionally. All right. And then he says another place, he says, the covenant was given to Abraham and to his seed. Now, when I say covenant, think promise. Alright, the, the promise or the covenant was given to Abraham and to his seed. Okay, now notice the covenant was absolutely grace completely. So your covenant is absolutely grace completely. It's not based on what you did. 
God has promised it, and with that promise comes grace. Okay? He says, there was no if you will or if you won't or if you do this, I'll do this. He said, I've already done it. Not if you'll do something. And we, we're not going to go back, but it, you'll find it in Abraham's covenant confirmed. Another message that Brother Branham preaches on grace. How that God take Abraham out and told him to make a sacrifice, divide the animals. Because it was a representation of an oath that was made in those days where two men would stand between a divided animal. But when Abraham was there, keeping the birds away from the animal, he, and it fell into a sleep and, and the horror of darkness and these different things that represent things I'm not going to go into, but in the midst of it all, then a light came between the animals, which was God himself. He never said, Abraham, come stand with me. He said, no, Abraham watched God standing between the animals. In other words, God was making a one-sided covenant. It's not if you will, it's I have already said it. I have already done it. It's my covenant of grace unconditionally to the Abraham and to his seed. All right. All right. So now, Brother Branham says in Jehovah Jireh, he says, the only thing they had to do to maintain this covenant was stay and abide in the land. And every blessing that went with the covenant was with them. All right. I notice that now. The blessings was contingent upon staying in the land. All right, the covenant was unconditional, but the blessings of the covenant was upon condition. That's why Brother Branham says, if God ever healed anybody, if you could meet God on the same condition, he'd have to heal you too. You see, it's it's the way that God operates. There is a conditional representation of the covenant. You receive the covenant by grace, but now you come into the condition to receive the blessings. Okay, so he says every blessing that went with the covenant was with them. The only thing they had to do was stay in the land. Now we find out when they went down in Egypt, they lost their blessing, but not their covenant. Now you say, well, that's elementary, Brother Tim. All right, but let's bring it up to today. What is Egypt? The world. What did Abraham do? He backslid. So backsliding, being the elect of God. Be careful now, this is not disgrace. This is not lasciviousness. But Abraham going, because of the pressure of his circumstances, into a place he should not have gone... Now he finds himself outside of the blessing, but he did not lose his covenant. That's why God came down and protected Sarah, because she was part of the covenant. It was that womb that God was watching over, because his seed would come through that womb. Amen. He says the, the covenant was still there. He says they lost the blessing, but not their covenant, because their covenant was grace unconditionally. See, if you're the elect of God, God's covenant with you is grace unconditionally. Tell the devil when he comes and says you lost your covenant or you backslid too far or you you made too many mistakes. You just tell him you're a liar. God stood himself between the sacrifices in representation of an unconditional covenant that would be formalized in Jesus Christ. And we are partakers of that covenant. Listen, we're either partakers of that covenant or we're here in vain. 
If we don't have that unconditional covering, we might as well just all get up and walk out those doors. Because we're just a form. We're just like Cain trying to worship God. Trying to gain favor with God. Trying to, to be a good Christian. Trying to behave ourselves. Trying to learn something in the service that will help us to overcome the world. No, it's an unconditional covenant. We're sitting here. We're standing here. We're worshiping. We're saying amen to an unconditional covenant. Hallelujah. God provided Israel a covenant by grace. He provided them a promise in Abraham. Your seed will sojourn in a strange land. I'll bring them out. There had to be grace to go with that. Grace provided them a prophet. Grace provided everything they needed. Grace provided them a smitten rock. Grace provided them water from that rock. Grace provided them part of the Red Sea. Grace provided them manna from heaven. Grace provided all these things. But they wanted something to do with it. They wanted to go back to, if you will, I will. They wanted to go back as though man can bargain with God and say, well, I've lived up to this requirement, therefore you owe me. They wanted to move beyond grace into a law and bring them back to a place where they could bargain with God. It's it's no different in this hour. Listen, you go to different churches and they'll tell you, well, if you do this, you're saved. Whether it be shout or dance or speak in tongues or this kind of manifestation or that kind of a manifestation. Well, listen, I can even tell you, we don't even want any of that in the message. I don't want to preach experience. As Brother Branham says in the church age book, away with experience as the measuring stick. If I have the words right, I'm just going by memory. But it's, he just says, away with experience. We're not judging you by experience. God is not judging you by experience. It's not you got to have this kind of an experience. I have an experience. These brothers have an experience. You have an experience. And all of our experiences might be different, but the result is the same. You are born again by the incorruptible seed of God. God brought it by your way because only the elect can be born again. Only those who are in the covenant can be born again. And because it's a grace covenant, God brings his word by your way. Hope it's okay if I preach it this way this morning. Is this all right? Amen. We got to know what our foundation is. This is where we're standing. We're not standing on the fact that I I had a good day or a bad day. We're not standing on the fact that I made a mistake or praise the Lord, I went a whole day without making a mistake. Well, you're pretty perfect if you manage to do that. That's not anything to do with it. We're standing by grace alone. Bible says in John chapter 1, we can read the whole chapter. You certainly can do that when you go home. But it says in verse 16, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Do you understand what that means? And grace for grace. It's like you buy a piece of land. You give him money for a piece of land. It's an exchange. All right. You give time for your paycheck. It's an exchange. So this is written in that same type of terminology, grace for grace. But what does that mean? It actually means we give him the lesser grace of the Old Testament to receive a greater grace in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have received 
even a more abundant grace. Now, as it says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But even as Brother Bradham talks about grace and he, he, he brings examples from the Old Testament. And as he takes these examples of the Old Testament, he takes examples from places like Noah and Abraham where the law did not exist. But he also takes examples from Moses and from David of God's grace under the law. It's not that law uh, nullified grace. But the law rather became something that bound the people and showed to them that they could not in themselves, I'll just say it this way, bargain with God. They could not in themselves fulfill a law that would make God obligated to them. God is not obligated to anybody. If He shows you His Word, it's by His grace. It's not because you were raised in a message family that you come to the light of the message. It's by His grace. Amen. Amen. I trust that all. How many here? I, I, I maybe shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. How many here are from the lineage of Brother Biscoll? That'd be him, his three daughters, his sons-in-laws, all of that. His children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. All of you. There's quite a number here, I know. And so now, thank you. Now, I want to say, you're not here because you're Brother Biscoll's offspring. You're here because of God's grace. That's the sole reason that you are here. If God doesn't open your eyes to the light of this hour, you'll just wander along in life. You might even sit in church. You might even wonder who you are. But it's His grace that comes to you to fulfill His promise. Amen. Here's a good spot to break, to talk about missions a little bit. Put the slides up for me, please. It's God's grace that reaches out to another country. Why why are thousands of people getting saved in Uganda? It's God's grace. Why why are there... uh, What am I looking for? I'm thinking tens of thousands in Angola. Why is there 130 in Ethiopia? Why is there hundreds of thousands in Congo? All walking in this light. What is that? It's all the grace of God. It's not a system. We know that. Praise the Lord. It's, uh, there's not enough money in the world to put that kind of a program together. It's God, by His sovereign grace, calling His elect in the last days. Amen. Let me talk about Uganda just a little bit. Last time I talked about Uganda after I was there in November, I talked about um, we were in a little town called Majira, waiting for the local pastor, Brother Isaac, who had gone past us on the highway, and we were waiting for him to come back. And so we're sitting on the side of the road, uh, just uh, talking. And while we're sitting in the car, uh, a man comes up to us. Turns out he's a Pentecostal minister. And... Uh, uh, he, uh, his name actually is Matthias Musoki, as I found out later. And, uh, he came up to the vehicle while we were talking and he begins talking to Brother Fred, says, you know, when, when are you going to come to my church to introduce this message, to preach to my people? And, and, uh, Brother, uh, Fred, you know, of course, a very busy man, 
made excuses of why he hadn't made arrangements yet and uh, said, I'll come as soon as I can. Turns out he met with him a couple weeks later and baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's step one. After that, you know, of course, the man suffered uh, great opposition from denomination that he was from, the, the groups that he was from. And it's, he says in the testimony, he says, uh, one of the people in his church turned against him and contacted what they call the big pastors in Kampala and reported this pastor to the headquarters. And uh, they called him and they warned him and they told him to go and meet them in Kampala. But he refused and instead arranged for Brother Fred and the believers to come and preach in his church. Amen. And uh, so it was at that point that the pastor, Brother Matthias, who was baptized now, decided to lead a group of church members from the church and they opened up their own church within the same locality. All right, so there's a split in the church. There's some that have come out. There's there's some that are refusing to come out. There's, it was another, uh, 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 we, we would say maybe associate minister or somebody that was in the church that says, I'm not going that way. He didn't see the message. All right? See, you, you don't see the message by intelligence. You see it by the grace of God. Not everybody's going to see it because it's not sent for everybody. It's sent to Abraham and to his seed. Okay, and so it's, he says, he says, knowing the situation, we decided to arrange and go and teach the message there. He says, we managed to, he says, this is when it was sent to me in January. He says, we managed to go there yesterday. We taught them from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And uh, we, we left them uh, with the word. And he says, by 2 p.m., There were enough people that wanted to be baptized. And we drove 10 kilometers to be baptized. Here they are at the church during that meeting. And these are the people. They have their own little tin building there. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for that. And... uh, you know, they're, they're able to gather there. And so they're, as they're meeting there, their brother, you can see brother Fred just by that post there, standing there, ministering the word of God. And so they, they received and embraced the truth of God's word. And they loaded them up to go 10 kilometers to be baptized. And there were 77 people that day baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Praise be to God. What is that? That's the grace of God. God came by their way. If they ever get in their minds, well, we learned it or we were taught it or we understood it. No, it, it was laying there in the scripture all the time. But it had to become revealed to them personally that they would be baptized, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just another testimony, as I mentioned last time, I said we have used up all the funds that have come in from Uganda, so what we're doing now is just whatever comes in month to month. Whatever comes in for Uganda, that's as much as we have now to use for Uganda. And it was just at the same time that a brother in the States, I don't know if he wants me to share his name, a pastor, who was burdened, uh, saw the report for Uganda in the faith challenge report and he said i want to download the the documentary of uganda uh, that brother mark had worked on and and so uh it had never occurred to me that we had never made it downloadable 
And so I had Brother Mike to work on that. And so we it was then downloadable so that because they didn't have Internet in their church, they couldn't just stream it, which is what it was available as. So he downloaded it, played it for his church. And he says and he told me, he says, we want to get behind what God's doing in Africa, in Uganda specifically. And I just told him, I says, brother, you are an answer to prayer. Because I'd just been praying, Lord, if, if you want this work to go on, you got to provide people to provide the funds. I don't have money in my pocket. And so I actually I have $20. I shouldn't say that. But $20 is not enough. And so here we are uh, now. And he calls out of the blue. I don't even know this brother. There's not even somebody I'm associated with. He calls me. We are making this registry. He shows the video in church. He says the people become burdened. Just a small church. They took up an offering of $8,000. And that's U.S. dollars, folks. 8000 U.S. dollars for Uganda. And he said specifically to help with buildings. Well, these people, they have their building, but they rent the land. And they said, we're in danger of the denomination buying the land out from under our building. We need $1,500. And so I talked to this brother and I said, God has provided the money. You can buy the land and God has made a way. Amen. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It just shows you it's not the works of man. It's the grace of God. But man has to play a part in it. That's how God operates. Somebody has to put the faith challenge report together. Somebody had to put the documentary together. It all has a part in what God calls us to do. And then it produces a materialization of the thoughts of God in our day. If I could say it that way, I don't want to, I want to come to that actually later on. Brother Fred just texted me the other day. He says, we have just finished the translation of the seven seals. They had done a translation years ago, but it needed to be edited. And he says, we just finished and they're now ready for printing. Praise the Lord. Translation work. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We just landed in Uganda 10,000 church age books in the Luganda language. It's been a process to get them printed in China and get everything operating. I've said for a while they were coming. Well, they're there. That's in addition to the 5,000 we already sent there. So you can see what the demand is for the word in the country. You know what? We're not just, as I already said, we're not just finding the bride. We're also clothing her with the word of God. We have a print uh, station there, a more advanced print station that prints high speed. And uh, they've already printed about 20,000 message books in the local language. That's individual messages that is cheaper to print there and distribute there on demand as needed. Amen. And I want to give one more, um, if I can say, uh, rose or one more bouquet this morning. We all know about the work in China, but I, I, I just want to share with you. Uh, I hope this is okay, Brother Murphy, but he's not here to stop me. And uh, But the, he said the Chinese believers in China, they heard about we needed MP3 players for Uganda. And we need about a thousand and it was going to cost us ten to, tens of thousands of dollars to get a thousand MP3 players. He said the Chinese believers in China, in China, are going to donate a thousand MP3 players. Praise the Lord. God bless them for that. 
So these are wonderful things that are happening. And uh, the, the, the new believers become mature. And they take up the burden of the word. And they see a need and the Holy Spirit moves on them. And they say, let us provide the MP3 players. I believe God will bless them. You see, God blesses you if you're involved in getting this precious message out. In other words, God blesses you if you're making yourself available to be a channel for His grace to reach somebody else. That's where the blessing is. All right. I could preach on that for a while. Let's go on to Ethiopia for a moment. I just want to highlight something in Ethiopia. My son was just there, Andrew Dodd. He was, he's a minister in Edmonton in End Time Message Tabernacle with Brother Harold Hildebrandt and Brother Ed Hammermeister. And, and he preaches quite a bit and they say they like him. So that's a good, good thing. Yeah. And, uh, but he was just overseas. He, I took him to Uganda with me a few years ago and praise the Lord, he caught the missionary bug. And uh, so he went back to Uganda to preach a youth convention this past Christmas and also stopped in Ethiopia and visited with the believers there and ministered there. And uh, so he's, he was talking to the church about the need. He's talking to the Edmonton church about the need for an automobile. And I hadn't really looked at it in this perspective until he was talking to me about it. So sometimes it takes a different perspective to bring something to light. You understand? God makes us all differently. And so he was talking about in Ethiopia and how he talked to Brother Mogus about the souls that are scattered around the country. And he said, uh, uh, of course, we know about the group in Addis Ababa, which is there. And uh, uh, they have about 50 people there in the center of Addis Ababa. And then over in the western part in Asosa or Nekempti, uh, they have about... Uh, Ten souls that have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. I'm just going to go through this here. Down in Hawassa, which I went on my last trip, there's about 15 people that have been baptized, have received the Lord Jesus Christ, or walking in the light of the hour. Over in, down in uh, an area called Soto or Shoni, uh, is a, a group of believers that I haven't met yet, but there's a group gathering there of about 50 souls. All right, so it's almost as big as the church in Addis Ababa down in the south there. Now, um, I should maybe be telling you as I go along, you're just looking at a map. But if we go from Addis Ababa to Asosa, the first place, let's go back here. Okay, go from here to here. That is 600 kilometers. Okay, from Addis Ababa to Hawassa is 300 kilometers. On down to Sosa or Shoni, Soto or Shoni is 450 kilometers. If we go to Arba Minch, which there's another uh, outreach going on now, is 500 kilometers. Then we go up to Mikeli, which is up in the northern region. That's a thousand kilometers. And finally up to Addis Grat is 1300 kilometers, which there, excuse me, there's, uh, Seven people in, in McKelly and three people in Addis Grat. And so you can see that the souls are scattered around the country. There's about 130 altogether. And so he was relating this to the church of why a vehicle, a sturdy vehicle is necessary for outreach into the countryside. All right. And we're not talking always on, of great roads, although Ethiopia has some good highways. But uh, once you get out into the rural areas, you get onto dirt in different places, which is common in Africa. So I say all this to re- say, please pray for Ethiopia. 
There are financial needs that cannot be met by the local people. There's 130 souls in the whole country. They're mostly young and poor. And so we've been supporting it from Bible believers and we will continue. It's a very expensive outreach. But I'll say it's, it is the only outreach that has ever taken root in this country for the message of the hour. And, and, and I say praise be to God. If it costs us, whatever it costs us, if God's in it, and you know the beginning of it, how God sovereignly directed us that way. If God's in it, we want to stand behind it. So pray very much for Ethiopia. They have some very, very um, real needs that are there. We're also translating there into three languages. Uh, because, you know, there are several major languages. They don't speak a European language because they never were colonized. And so, but there's a hundred million souls in this country. hundred million souls altogether. And, you know, you, I was explaining to the brothers, you know, they look at the revival in Uganda. Is it okay if I explain this here? They look at the revival in Uganda and they say, why can't that happen here? And I said, I'll tell you why it can't happen here. I says, because in Uganda, they've got seasoned, mature ministry able to handle the revival. I says, you need to grow in the grace of God. You need to get grounded in the word. You need to get the people to a place in the word of God that God can use you to spread the word further out. Then I said, what's happening in Ethiopia now is what happened in Uganda in the 80s. Is that the message began to go in. A few were saved here. A few were saved there. Ministers raised up. And what did they do? They received the word of God. Brother Hildebrandt was a, from Edmonton was a key uh, man that God used in printing message books and sending them into the country. They were fortunate in that they were formerly an English colony. So they spoke English. So they could read English message books. But in, in Ethiopia, that's why translation is so important. And I'm glad to say in the Amharic language, they are almost finished translating the church age book. So we praise God for that. And we support that translation work wholeheartedly. And uh, we want to see uh, whatever God will do. Whatever God will do, we're behind it. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Whatever God will do, we're behind it. Amen. amen. We want to be behind whatever God's doing. Without reservation, say, well, Brother Tim, we're not a rich church. And we're not. Let me explain something. I was explaining this to someone the other day. When, when we were up in Grand Prairie, pastoring there, we had a congregation of about 60, maybe 70 people. And the economy was booming, and the prices were high, and the place where we were renting told us we had to leave. And so we had no place to fellowship, but we had previously bought a piece of land that someday we hoped to build on, and we decided we are going to build on this land. Well... It was a huge undertaking for a small church. Those of you that have been there understand. And uh, uh, and so we, we did a lot of the labor ourselves. But the biggest thing was, uh, I remember one day after having, we'd done all the planning, we'd got the plans, we got the blueprints, we got everything now, but we didn't have the money. And so I, I just was in my study on my knees and just praying, Lord, this is... I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know how we're going to be able to do this. It was a great lesson that the Lord 
showed me there. And he said to me, he spoke to me in a still small voice. And I, I'm not big on the Lord spoke to me. But obviously if it happened, then that's a good sign it was the Lord speaking. And, and so I was, as I was in prayer, the Lord just spoke to me this word. You build the church, I'll provide the money. Just like that. And I, I was, I just so knew that it was God speaking to me. I just felt like, all right, that's what I needed to hear. I don't know where it's coming from, but God said He will provide it. And the church is built, and the believers are worshiping. It's a real nice building. As a matter of fact, it's one of the nicer buildings I've ever been a part of. I've ever been in to preach. It's, there's so many nice things about it. But anyway, the bottom line was, if God's in it, He will provide the money. It's just that simple. I just believe God. And, and so there are, there are needs that are there in Ethiopia. And if they're listening to me this morning or, or hear this service later, if God's in it, it's the same thing I tell the preachers in Uganda. It's the same thing I tell people all over the world. If God's in what you're doing, He will back you up with the funds. Amen. We don't have to worry about it. And we're not. But I want to talk briefly now about the importance of getting the message out. Because we've come to a time in this hour that uh, the importance of translation work has come to the forefront. It's always been there, but now it's at the forefront. Um, as I've mentioned before, uh, the people at Voice of God recordings are no longer printing books. They're, they're moving into electronics. And uh, uh, that's fine if that's their vision. That, that has nothing to do with us. But the, the brethren around the world are saying, at least the ones that I've heard from, is that we need books. These electronics are nice, but we need books. You never have to recharge a book. A book never breaks down. You know, all those kind of things, okay? And so they said, and so they come to us because they want to print from the message hub. But the, the problem can be, for example, I'll talk about in a moment, the Chichewa language in Malawi, where there's 12 million people that speak that language, is I, I've been talking with a brother who's trying to put a team of translators together, and, and I said, I said, well, yes, I think printing is important in your language. I says, but when I look on the message hub, there's only three translations in your language. I says, you need to translate. It's not just a printing need, it's a translation need. And so I said, you need to get a team together. And I told them, I says, I said, we will sponsor you. Now I'm speaking by faith. We will sponsor you. And I said, you put a team together. I says, I don't want one translation a month. I want between four and ten translations every month. I says, you put a team together because the hour is late. And, and and you want to dress these people with the Word of God, you've got to do a major effort on your end, in your language, to get these translations up on the message hub so you can get the message into the hands of the people. And I said, there, there's no delaying this. And so I told him, and he's, he's working right now to put a team together. I haven't heard from him yet, but uh, he has a great burden to help his people. He was educated in England, and now he's a pastor in Malawi, and they want to, they want to do a work there. So I want to talk about the, what we're doing right now. And, and I realize there's 
80 languages, and I'm not going to highlight all the languages. Uh, Brother Kobus is here this morning. He has developed a tool that we are, we're, uh, uh, we're working with in conjunction with the Message Hub that helps translators. Uh, or makes it easier to translate, I should say. It's just a, uh, tool. It doesn't mean you, you don't need to know anything. It's, you gotta know something, but it's a tool that helps along the translation effort, and we praise God for that. And there, he's working with several of the languages, and there's altogether 80 languages on the message hub, of which I would say, and I didn't look at it, but I would say maybe half of them are active. We've got messages like French, where it's all finished. Let me highlight Spanish. Spanish is a, is a great example. They realized they weren't getting many translations on a regular basis. And so brother Paula Fontaine, brother, uh, a brother in Phoenix, what is his name? Brother Doug Baker and different ones laboring together said, we're going to, we're going to put a team of translators together. And at that time, I think we might have had a few hundred translations. They're almost finished the entire message. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't be finished in this calendar year. So we praise God for men with a vision. Spanish is one of the great languages of the world and, and greatly needed. So praise God for that. And so there's many things happening in the message. But I want to just uh, highlight a few that we're sponsoring. One of them is Kenya Rwanda, which is another good example of a team of translators. Is Brother Ellie here this morning? Ellie Quizera, are you here somewhere? No. Okay. So Brother Ellie is in from, is from Rwanda and he came to me one day. He said, Brother Tim, we need translations in our language. We need a print station. We need to print books. And, and again, I told him, I says, well, in order to print, you need translations. So they've labored for the last couple of years doing between five and ten translations every month. Well, that quickly adds up. They've got about 160, 180 translations now that they didn't have before. Praise God. God bless the translators. We, we just pay them a nominal amount. You know, if you want to sponsor translation, we, the basic rule of thumb for a third world country is $150 will sponsor one translation. And then, so we, that's what we're, we're sponsoring them there with to help people have the time to translate. The next language is in Myanmar, they came to us and they were wanting to use the message hub to, to print and again, translation. So they've been doing the same thing. A team of translators, they've been working. They've now got almost 200 translations in the Myanmar language there. What used to be Burma. So God bless them there. Another one is Luganda. We just put a team together to translate the Luganda language. They used to have Brother Fred and his associate working on translation. Well, now they're too busy. They're working out in the field and he's a pastor and, and so it's, it's, there's no longer, there's a season where it seems like not much is happening that they work on translation, but now a lot is happening. And so they're in the field. I got maybe a testimony of that today for you later on, but we put a team together. Brother Busabozi helped us gather some of the translators and they're already starting to upload translations in the Luganda language. Praise the Lord. Several of them, I think there's probably about eight or ten that have already been uploaded in the last month, month and a half. I say praise the Lord. Pray for these things. These are things that that we are behind a hundred percent as much as the Lord will show us He's in it by providing the funds. Amen. 
Ethiopia, I've already mentioned. Uh, I mentioned Chichewa uh, from uh, Malawi. We're working on Chichewa, Laos. Uh, the Laos language is languishing. And, uh, uh, and so I, I was talking to a brother the other day. He asked if we had any translators for this language. We don't actually work with the brothers in Laos. Uh, but there are brothers like the brothers from the Philippines that are working now. These are believers that have been established many years ago that are working now to get the message out in some of those Asian countries like Cambodia and Laos and, and uh, Vietnam and different places. So praise God for that. I'm sorry, I'm just talking, 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 talking. I gotta slow down and let your, let your mind breathe. <laughs> And so these things are, are important, but they said we don't have a quality Laos translators. The translators, translations we're getting are not good enough quality. And so I just say that to say, pray that God will raise up a translator for Laos. You know, you, they gotta know English and the local language. So I just bring that before you to pray. Angola, we're working on a project in Angola. We put some printing stations in, uh, Angola, and those can provide some of the needs for some of the local people. But now it's we're working together uh, with a number of brothers, both in Angola, in Portugal, and in the United States, and in Brazil, to bring a greater printing effort to Angola. So pray for this, that this will come to fruition, that the people of Angola will have the message. They've been believers for quite a while, but as I mentioned before, as even Brother Tom was praying in the office, no doubt he was remembering that. You know, to not even have read Christ is the mystery of God revealed. It just breaks your heart when you think about it. These are, these are the, the revelation of the grace of God in its fullness that's come in our day. And, and these people need to have these things. And so I just leave that with you. And, uh, uh, that's the only update that I want to bring today. There are many languages that are working independently, like Chinese, the Indian languages, whether it be Hindi, Tamil, Telugu, Marathi, or other languages, the Thai language, the languages in Philippines, Cambodia, Spanish, I mentioned, the Farsi language for the Iranian people, the Arabic language, difference of these languages. We're seeing them come up on the message hub and, and be available anywhere. And I say, praise the Lord for everybody around the world that is burdened and is working to get the message into the hands of God's bride. To clothe her with the Word of God. That's vitally, vitally important in the hour that we're living in. And that is that is our focus in this hour that we're living in because we want to... And I, I, just, I just want to focus you for a few more minutes of how this blends with what we're speaking about with grace. Because we must be focused on not our ideas but focused on the thoughts of God that have been revealed. Okay? I, I, because there's a promise. And so, as I said, the, the promise has grace that is tied to the promise. And if you can connect that, then you have to understand that those things, both the promise and the grace were in God's mind before the foundation of the world. OK? 
Okay? There's some, some things that Brother Branham said in Serpent Seed. Are you still with me? All right. So as Brother Branham said now, and I want you to catch this. It's another message you can read, and I'll refer to a couple others that you could study on these things if you want to. I think it's good to establish ourselves in the grace of God. He says in Serpent Seed, he says, The infinite God who saves you here, knowing he's going to lose you next week or next month or next year, why he's defeating the very purpose. He can't lose you. See, it's not about you staying saved. It's about him keeping you. All right. He says, God, by his grace, through predestination, not willing that any should perish, but all might come to repentance, but being infinite and knew who would come and who would not come, he could predestinate everything to work to his will. You believe that? All right. He says, if he didn't do it, why did he permit sin in the first place? Now, Brother Branham gets right down to the fundamental of it. You see, this is our God. This is his thoughts. This was in his mind. And and the amazing thing was, if he if he knew himself that he was a healer, then there had to be sickness to overcome. So there, if he was a savior, there had to be sin back in his thoughts. Before the foundation of the world. And these are things that are really hard to lay a hold of with a human intellectual pea brain that we have. And he says, he says, how did he ever become a healer? How did he ever become a healer? Because he permitted sickness to come. That he might show himself a healer. He was a healer. How would he ever be known? How would he ever be known? How could his attribute ever work? How could he ever be a healer if there would never been no sickness? He had to permit sickness. And then he goes to Romans 8 and he says, Paul says, foolish man, who can tell the potter what to do about it? When the clay raises up and say, why have you made me thus? Did not he raise Pharaoh up for the same purpose that he might show his glory down in Egypt? He hardens who he will and justifies who he will. It's not him that willeth or him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. Aren't you glad you're on the mercy side? He says, so you have nothing to do with it. You haven't got one thing to do with it. If it's grace, if it's a free gift, there's not a thing you can do about it. Hallelujah. He says, God.